How are you guys? Nothing, cha- nothing changed since I was up here a while ago? So tonight, I want to just kind of talk a little bit. I, I, I've been, had all these different directions in my mind. But really what was kind of on my heart was just the power of peace. The power of peace that is stronger than any obstacle in your life. It's stronger than any obstacle in my life. There is a power of peace that goes beyond all understanding, right? We've read that in Scripture. So, I've just been thinking through of things that I really, really, really value. You know, what are you, what are you willing to give for certain things? Is there any value that you can put on peace? I don't, I don't know of any. Like, it's, it's got to be one of those deep things that's just kind of beyond price. And, and I'm not just talking about, you know, nothing's going wrong, nothing's really up in the air, you know, I've got more money in the bank than I need, you know, my kids are all behaving. That's not really what I'm talking about. I mean, I don't know, I've never been there, but it sounds good. But it's not the sort of peace I'm talking about. The sort of peace I'm talking about, I think the best way that I can put it is trusting God so much that even in the midst of the storm, that we're really not put out by it. You know, think about the, the, the disciples, they're in the storm, they're in the boat. Man, I, I have been out, on the, uh, I've been out on the Gulf one time, and uh, I almost hate to tell you, but I was out in the Gulf in a, in a Corpus Christi Bay, and I was in my bass boat, just a little 19-foot bass boat, nothing special. And it was so calm and so, um, just a beautiful summer day. And I thought, I had this brand new thing called a GPS. And it was when they first started putting GPSs on boats. So me and my buddy, we thought, there is a wreck that's about 19 miles out in the middle of Corpus Christi Bay. And it might as well be the ocean because you can't, when when you're out that far, you can't see land, period. So we thought, well, we'll go out to this wreck, and we're just going to fish out there. It's, it's beautiful. The weather's great. I mean, we're just enjoying each other's company. We're enjoying just some time out on the water, you know. And as it is in South Texas sometimes, we look up, and there is a storm. It, the wind hasn't even puffed yet. Like, it hasn't even started but you look, you look up to the, to the west and you saw this wall of clouds. And I looked at my buddy and I said, oh, no, this is not good. Like, we can't even see the land right now. And I'm thinking, it's all right. I got my cool little GPS thing here. So even if it gets bad, we know which direction to go, right? So I had some trust in a... In a piece of electronic uh, art there. So we, we hammer down and we start back to uh, um, 
Laguna Madre just as fast as we can go. I mean, we're running 60 miles an hour across this this lake or this this uh, bay, and then all of a sudden we're running 50 miles an hour, then we're running 40 miles an hour, then we're running about seven miles an hour, and all we could do is just keep the nose of the boat up because the storm caught us. Now we're still looking at that at that guide and going, okay, my eyes are stinging. There is water up to my ankles right now, but I can see if we can if we can just get. Laguna Madre's work just kind of necks down, and, and if we can just get there, we'll be out of these big waves. And so, I, uh, I loved my bass boat, and one of the, one of the, um, the sales tactics, because I used to kind of sell these things, you could cut a hole, you could cut 15 holes in these boats and they wouldn't sink. Like, ah, I'm fine. I got my GPS, I got my, my Ranger bass boat, and I'm going to be all right, you know. And we're going to have a heck of a good story. We're going to have a heck of a good story when we get back too, right? About that time. Have you ever heard of a boat spearing a wave? It's where you don't go over the wave, you go through it. <laughs> so went through about three waves. You, you ever get hit in the gut? And like you lose your breath. That's how I felt at that moment. And my buddy, my poor buddy over there, I had a, I had a little windshield I was tucked down behind. I had my little GPS here, had the steering wheel. He's out in the wide open. I mean, it's hitting him like major force. And about the third wave we went through, I'm just going, I was pretty confident. But what now? How much further? Like, it looks like we're almost there, but I still can't see land. It, if I look at this, it looks like we're almost there, but I still can't see land. And I remember just kind of trying to suck in some air because it was, it was raining harder than I've ever seen rain fall in my life, not to mention going through water. And I'm just going, uh, and I really hope that this thing keeps running. I hope, I know it'll float, but I hope it keeps running. I don't want to call the Coast Guard. You know, is my life jacket tight enough? Where is land? And finally at that point, I'm just like, God, I need your help. <laughs> Probably should have been there before that, right? But about that time, we enter into the canal and everything just calms down. And you just kind of go, Wow. You can really be hit in the face by things just, that just pop up left and right. Just They pop up out of nowhere. Um, I've been taking our leadership team through something called Crucial Conversations. And a Crucial Conversation is a conversation where opinions differ, emotions are strong, emotions are strong, Opinions differ. What's the other one? Somebody help me out. I, I've, I've lost my train of thought there. Come on. You know. Come on. Come on. Y'all know. A couple of y'all know. What is it? Anyway. Have you, emotions are high. 
stakes are high, like life-changing things. Like, have you ever had that moment with a neighbor where you think, hey, new neighbor, nice to meet you. And then all of a sudden, they are chewing you up and down over a property line or over something they don't like that you're doing. It's like all of a sudden, you're in a storm. So all of those things, I don't even know why I needed to share them, but what is your greatest storm right now? What is it? What's your greatest stressor? What is bringing you the most stress right now? Is it, is, is it that maybe it's not money, maybe you have all the money you need. Maybe your kids all behave perfectly. I doubt that's the case. But most likely your greatest stressor, it probably has something to do with some other people. And if you dig even deeper than that, it probably has something to do with your trust for God. So Jesus gave us this commandment. He said, I give you a new commandment. This new commandment is this, that you love one another as much as I've loved you. Man, that is tough, isn't it? I was in my friend's business the other day, and I mean, he had, it seemed like 50 people. Where's Mark? Where's Mark? I need to talk to Mark. Well, I need to talk to Mark. Well, I need to talk to Mark. You ever feel like you're being pulled in 50 different directions? And he's just smiling and loving on people. But if we ever get past that place of of allowing that stress to come in, one of the first things we do is we start to back up. And we start to isolate ourselves. Then we start to throw stones. Most people have, have in their life thrown so many stones that they've built walls between them and other people. And it's just one stone at another, one judgment after another, one thing after another. Because we let the storm get bigger than the one who said for the storm to stop. And he said, look, I'm with you. Can you imagine being in the boat with God? Have you ever thought of that? Like you you think that your faith is challenged sometimes. Like we have... Our faith challenge sometimes. It, it's okay. It's okay to have your faith challenge sometimes. It's okay to have doubt. Like That's okay. It's normal. The people that were in the boat with Jesus Christ were afraid. Like, God's right there in the bottom of the boat, sleeping. What do we have to be worried about? They cared for their own lives more than they trusted in, in Jesus. So, find my place here. The um, the master that had two servants. Excuse me, the master that had the servant, and we could just might as well say the servant owed the master 
a million dollars or a billion dollars. It really doesn't matter. It was more than he could pay in a lifetime, more than he could ever pay. Jesus tells this story, and he says that he just calls out for mercy. He calls out, God, I need you. Excuse me. Master, I need you to forgive me. You ever been there? Like, you've been at that place where we just need God's forgiveness. Like, you get to the end of yourself. You finally realize, I've probably caused some of this storm myself. God, forgive me. Oh, God, I need your help. Forgive me. And this was a good master. He, he said, well, I have every right to sell you, your wife, your kids, and you're still not going to pay me back even if I do all of that. I'm just going to forgive you. The, the translation I was reading right here, it literally said $1 billion. A billion dollars. I don't know about you and I, but I, I couldn't imagine. So he takes his mercy and he runs. And what I feel like happened is he took his eye off of the master's mercy that he knew he was never good enough to pay back. And he looked at himself I think that's where we usually mess up. We look at ourselves. We're self-focused. And he goes, hey, Joe down there owes me $20,000. So he goes and he grabs him by the throat and says, you are going to pay me back. You're going to pay me back. Do you see the difference? $20,000 versus a billion. Darlene, you're, you're in banks. I can't even imagine I mean, can we even count? How long would it take to count to a billion? Years. It would be forever. Just even count to it, much less pay it back. And yet he takes this guy that owes him a few months' pay and throws him before what they call the tormentors, the jailers. And then my loving, forgiving Jesus says something that just makes, kind of puts me back on my heels. Jesus says in this parable, if you try to take God's forgiveness, but you will not give it, the master will do the same to you. Man, that's hard. I know some of you are probably looking at me like, Jesus said that? Like, he's the, that sweet, he's the sweet version of God, right? Jesus is the sweet version of God, you know? Jesus didn't do anything he didn't see the Father do, so Jesus is the perfect image of God. And I don't believe it was the Master's, what was the Master's original intent? to forgive the man that owed him a billion dollars. That's the master's intent. But when that wasn't given in light turn, he said, you're self-focused. You're going to have to pay the tormentors. So, just as I've thought through this, as I've prayed through this, I'm like, okay, God, well, what are the tormentors? 
Is it demons? Is it, what, what is this? What, what happens when we don't forgive? And I just kind of had this picture. It's like our world just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Have you ever been so tired or frustrated that you can't think? Like you just, you quit being able to physically think. That's usually what happens when we limit our options and when we're throwing rocks across the fence, building walls. It's usually what happens when we are trying to figure things out on our own. Like, I've got to figure this out so I can go to sleep tonight. (laughs) You get me. But there's a lack of trust in some of that. At some point, we have to go, God, I give it to you. And I want to give you some good news. You don't know how to give it to him, and neither do I. But he knows how to take it. How how do we get saved? Like, is there anything you really do to get saved other than going, God, I need you? It's that moment where he looks at your heart and he says, and and man says to God, I need a Savior. And what does God do? He says, you're forgiven. God, I need help. And he starts opening up the options. He starts opening up ways to think. He starts opening up ideas. We are, when we get limited in our minds, we are so small-minded. When we start holding things against other people, it limits us even more. Man, I am already dreading November 4th of 2020 and the time that leads up to it. Because people I love are on both sides of the political spectrum. Both sides. I've got family members on both sides of the political spectrum. And I'm no different. I'm on a side. And there's another side that I disagree with how they think. I disagree with the limitations they want to put on us. I disagree with so many of these things. But I want to sit there and in your heart, if you allow that political spirit to come in, go, how can they be so dumb? How can they be so wrong? Like, I know the truth. I've read the Bible. And I have interpreted it. Interpreted it? I have interpreted the Bible to where it suits me just fine. One day I actually had a look at this other family member that's on the other political spectrum. I just asked God, I said, how did they end up there? I was reading a book, this book I'm taking our our team through. It said, what would cause a reasonable, rational, decent person to act that way? And I started going, oh my God, this is how you feel about us. You have compassion for us. You saw what happened when the little girl was three years old. 
like you have compassion for us and you just want us to have compassion for each other. And again, the question was, why would a reasonable, rational, decent person act this way? Let me, let me give you a little bit of input here. Even if the person is crazy, undecent, and irrational, ask yourself that person because they arrive, ask yourself that question because they arrive there somehow. Yet another way that we just build up these walls between ourselves and other people. And we have a God that's trying to tear down walls. He's trying to tear down walls of race. He's trying to tear down walls of, of politics. He's try, trying to tear down these walls because regardless of the side of your party you're on, if you're a Democrat, if you're a Republican, a Republican president is not going to save our nation. A Democrat president is not going to save our nation. A church sold out to Jesus Christ is the only hope for our nation. The only hope. Well, yeah, that other party, they kill babies. That's terrible. How did they get there? Maybe these young women need somebody to reach into their lives and show them how much God loves them and loves their baby. Maybe somebody needs to reach in and teach that lazy young man how to work. I said, I said in the break, I talked about Elihu, Job's friend. He was willing to have a hard conversation. He was willing to look at his elder and go, dude, you are thinking all wrong. Now, what I love about him, he let everybody else speak first. And then he spoke, and then God spoke. And he spoke for God. Let me tell you how big this is. If you haven't read the book of Job, there's 40, is it 41, 42 chapters? I believe it's 36 of them are nothing but Job talking about how bad things are. And his friends talking about how bad things are. And that Job should just go kill himself. Job should just curse God and die. So at this point now, somebody with a righteous voice actually steps in and speaks. And speaks in love. Uh-oh. Got something beeping somewhere. <laughs> it's all right. I'm going to find my place. Back to Matthew 18. Jesus called a little one to his side and he said to them, Learn this well. Learn this well. Jesus said, Learn this well. Unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with wide open wonder of a child, you will never enter it. Part of the kingdom of God is where we can be in the middle of the storm and restful. Part of that is where we have the peace that 
surpasses all understanding. That's part of the kingdom of God. In fact, it says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of rules. It's not about food and drink, but it's the realm of the Holy Spirit filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said was at hand. So what I believe that Jesus is asking for is pretty simple. Two things. Trust me. Trust me. Just trust me. And trust me even when your husband wrongs you. Trust me even when your daughter does things that you don't approve of. Trust me even when your mother nags you for the upteenth time. Or your mother-in-law. No, that doesn't happen there. I'm, I'm, I'm teasing. I'm kind of with you. I, I am blessed. I have the, the best mother-in-law in the world. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I wasn't talking that. Never mind. <laughs> so, it's not about food and drink. Basically, it's not about the things we put in ourselves. It's not about the rules we keep. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy. So, righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. You know, a lot of times our storm comes from, like, when we really are, are wrapped up in the storm around us, we're in unrighteousness, anxiousness, fear, and sorrow. And it's okay to be sorrow for a time. It's okay to be sad for a season. My friends, I told you that lost their son this morning. They're sad. I'm sad with them. But it says that joy comes in the morning. I know that tomorrow God's still going to have my back. I know tomorrow he's still going to be for me. I know tomorrow that he will not have taken Jesus back. And today is yesterday's tomorrow. Today is yesterday's tomorrow. So even in the seasons of sorrow, even in the seasons that are hard, even in the storms, righteousness, peace, and joy. So if we have these promises, have you ever, have you ever looked at God and said, I thought you said your burdens were easy and your yoke was light? Have you ever said that? Because I have questioned him before. Your burdens are easy and your yoke is light. What do you mean, Jesus? Your burdens are easy and your yokes are light? That's where Job was. And his friend came in and said, can you really count these things to God? Basically, if I could fill in there, you live in a fallen world. We are a selfish people. Challenges is 
to learn to love others at least as much as we love ourselves, right? Man, that's a challenge. One day, maybe in about 60 years, I'll get there. But I'm working for it. I'm trying to get there. I want to love people. I'm trying to learn. Hmm. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is the kingdom of God. Serving the anointed one by walking in these kingdom realities pleases God and earns the respect of others. So then make it your top priority to live a life of peace with harmony in your relationships, eagerly seeking to strengthen and encourage one another. The book I was taking the leadership team through had a great statement when we were going through it in our life group last night. We were talking about my response has so much more to do with me than it does the one I'm responding to, the one that came against me, the one that attacked me, the one that looks like my enemy. My response has so much more to do with me than it does them. We did this. How did you get your how did you get your way as a kid? Did you sulk and pout or did you throw a tantrum? Like usually we 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 find one way or the other. Like we we either sulk and we pout and we get our way because you know if you if you want to have fun with me, then you're just gonna have to come over here and, and do what I want. Y'all quit elbowing each other. Or you feel intimidated so you get big. Right? I was like, you know, I typically always felt like I went to that, that silence part of I just wouldn't talk. And then I realized, you know what, if I'm intimidated, I go, ah, why are you, why are you intimidating me? You know? And it's because I feel like something's missing. Well, it's not. And it's not in you either. Let me tell you something. God said that he was going to put his word in you. Well, I don't know the scriptures. Well, get to know them. You need to read the scriptures. But he said he put his word in you. You know what happens when you pick this up? It's like all of a sudden when the word is in you and you're reading it, things start jumping from here to here. It's like, oh my gosh, I see what you're talking about. And the storms start to subside. So I know I've kind of been all over the place, but if we really want peace in our life, we have to trust the one who gave us peace. Even in the middle of the storm, I told you, I mean, think about it. Those disciples, they were in a boat with God. And they were crying out, terrified. They were in. I mean, if you were in the boat with Jesus, would you be scared? I mean, we, we look at it now and we go, wow. They just really must have been struggling with belief right there. They must have been struggling with their faith. I'm with you, by the way. Yes, if Jesus was in the boat with me, and then I realized something. He is. 
Yeah, if Jesus was in the boat with me, I wouldn't struggle. He is. He's right there. He never left you. He never forsook you. In fact, he put his word in you. He put his spirit in you. He gave you his peace. When I bless my kids at night, when I pray over them, so many times when, when they used to have nightmares and, and night terrors and things like that. When I was a kid, I had night terrors, and I would walk in my sleep. I'd talk in my sleep because I was so scared of something, something unseen, something unknown. But this weight came on me when I was a kid. And then this scripture hit me, and you all know it. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you. He's in the boat with you. He's in the storm and he's in the boat with you. Stir up the gift that's in you through the laying on of hands, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love. It's the kingdom of God right there working. Therefore, I remind you, stir up, and this is 2 Timothy 1, 6, and 7. Therefore, I remind you, stir up the gift of God which is in you the length, through the laying on of, of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. You are not the first one to struggle, even with sleep. You know who that letter was to? It was to... Timothy. It was to one of, uh, one of Paul's greatest apprentices. You know, the guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, this was his right-hand man. And he's, he's writing him, reminding him. I mean, think about it. Paul tells Timothy, dude, your stomach's in a knot. Maybe you just need to lay off the water for a minute. Like, he had an ulcer from worry. Is, is my assumption. That's, that's what I'm going to assume. And Paul's like, hey, you're, you're holding things too tightly. Trust God. He hasn't given you the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Second Corinthians 3.17 as the worship team is coming back up. You need to know, before I read this in 2 Corinthians, you need to know one thing. He's in the boat with you. Two, if you are more than a conqueror, what are you not? You're not a victim. Oh, that, that devil, he just, he's after me again. Yeah, he's a washed up, has been, loser. I'm not saying there's not a devil. I'm not saying there's not demons. There are. But Jesus overcame them. And he's in the boat with you. Can you say that? He's in the boat with me. Say it. Come on, I want to hear it. Encourage me. He's in the boat with you. He's in the boat with me. Now look at your neighbor and say, he's in the boat with you. And so am I. All right. 
2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18 says, Now the, the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, let me say, say that with me, we all, we all, with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. As we trust him, he comes in and just changes us. Sunday morning I was praying on the way in, just thinking of how many people have fallen away. You probably heard me say this Sunday, but it's that hopelessness that, that we think nothing ever changes. I look through this congregation. I know almost all of you. And in the year, two years, three years that I've known you, and I have seen some huge change. And it's nothing I've done. It's, it's nothing even you've done outside of just your faithfulness to God. Your faithfulness to hear His Word. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Man, faith is the opposite of fear. In fact, fear is simply faith in the wrong direction. So I want to encourage you, take a glance in the rearview mirror and see how far you've come in the last year. How far you've come in the last two years. How far you've come in the last two weeks. Man, there was stuff that you were in the middle of the storm over two weeks ago that has already passed. Because he's faithful and he's in the boat with you. I want to ask, um, Randy, would you come and, and serve communion? We do this on Wednesday nights to remind ourselves that we're a part of the body of Christ. As you receive the wafer, you'll be spoken over and said, this is the Lord's body broken for you. As you receive the cup, it will be said over you, this is the Lord's blood shed for you. We're a part of a great and eternal mystery. We're, we're between two advents. We're between the coming of God and the resurrection of Christ and His second coming. And in the middle of all of this is when we remember that we're a part of the body. He's in the boat with you. And so is your neighbor.